Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. But are you discouraged? That, that's what I wanted to, to land on here this morning. I want to use Elijah, the life of Elijah, and particularly the latter stages of Elijah's life, just to, to open up something in, out of the Word about discouragement, because I know everyone gets discouraged from time to time, don't we? We all, we all just get a little, I don't know, even if it's dis- discouraged is the right word, but sometimes we just get a little down, a little flat, a little, oh, what's this all about? God, where are you? All those sorts of things. It can be all sorts of different areas, relationships, family, work, career, finances, like lots of different areas in our lives. And, uh, and, and I just want to use Elijah as a, as a template to help us understand what discouragement, how discouragement happens and how we can move through discouragement. And uh, you see, Elijah is a great prophet. He's the great prophet in the Bible as far as I'm concerned. You know, uh, Jesus met with him when he's being transfigured on, on the mountain. It's just like him and Moses, Elijah and Moses, were there with Jesus. You go, wow, that's significant. You know, there's something that the God is representing in Elijah. And, and, he, and Elijah, was, there's amazing miracles, amazing things happen in his life. He's an amazing man, he's uh, a prophet. And then we read about in, in 1 Kings about where Elijah um, uh, challenges the, the prophets of Baal and Asherah to, to come to Mount Carmel and, and we'll do the altar thing and, and you see if you can get that fire going and, I'll, and if your God does that, I'll, I'll worship your God but if my God does that, you've got to worship my God. And it's like, you know, that, that, that thing or my dad's going to beat up your dad type, type arrangement, you know, and, and uh, my dad's bigger than your dad and stronger than your dad. Um, well, Elijah's God wins, basically. He gets that, the, the altar light, he saturates it with water and, and, and God just does an amazing thing. So Elijah not only wins the argument, yet he then gets all the prophet of Baal, prophets of Baal killed. Like they, they're gone off this earth. It should have been the high of highs. It should have been the best thing that had ever happened to Elijah. And in fact, he was probably in his prime, in his peak. He was probably operating the most out of his gift and how he'd ever operated up to that point in his life. He had the most influence. And then within one day, 24 hours, <laughs> he goes from the mountaintop to the bottom of the pit. He says this, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. Wow. Wow. This is the prophet of God. This is the man of God. This is a stunning time, what he does on, on Mount Carmel. He, he, he's, he's, you know, he's killed the enemy. And then all of a sudden, in a day, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. He's gone from the top to the bottom in a very short period of time. <laughs> I don't know about you, but sometimes we can go through those same sorts of things in life. We can have this amazing victory one day. And we can be in the depths the next day. And it's not a healthy way to live. It's not a healthy way to live. And, and I think it caught 
um, Elijah by surprise. He wasn't equipped to deal with that. He, 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 he'd had God with him, the presence of God through his whole life. You know, everything he touched, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, with the, the widow with the, the, the uh, oil and the, and the flour, you know, he's, he's, she said, I've got a little bit, you know, he said, yeah, well, just it'll never run out till the, till the drought finishes. And, and he, he stopped the rain for three years. You know, he, he prayed for the boy that was, was dead and he came alive. Stunning, stunning, amazing. God was with him every step of the way. And then this one, one thing, one thing, one, one threat by a woman. And he's in the depths of despair. Take my life, God. I want out of here. It's a hard thing to get our, our minds around, isn't it? And, and Elijah, well, let me read some scripture. We'll read out of 1 Kings 19, 1 to 3. You see, Elijah had, let me set this up a little better. Elijah had killed the prophets of Baal. He had run to Jezreel where Ahab and, and Jezebel were, the kings of Israel. And I think he expected them to go, wow, you are amazing. We are going to follow the God of, you know, your God from here. I think he had this expectation that that would happen. And he got there. <laughs> and let's read this section. 1 Kings 19, verses 1 to 3. Now Ahab, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. I think... Um, Elijah thought, oh, Jezebel's going to come out and they go, you're the man. You're, we we want to follow you. Let, let's follow this man. He's amazing. See what happens. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Elijah freaks out right there. One threat from one woman. He's just killed 450 at least. It could be 950 prophets in, in like that. And one woman makes a threat and he runs. Unmet expectation, if not dealt with well, can lead to discouragement and even depression. We need to make sure we understand that. Let's read on. And, and Jezebel was a really tough, evil woman, by the way. You know, that we talk, it's still, you know, there's much teaching around of the Jezebel spirit. And, and uh, 1 Kings 19, 3 to 5. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there. So he's running. While he himself went on a day's journey in the desert, he came to a broom tree, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I know better than any of my ancestors that he lay down on the tree and fell asleep. You know, tough times come. Discouragement comes. Elijah is on the run. He, he drops down on this tree, and, and a broom tree is just a, a short tree. So he actually was laying or probably laying, sitting or laying down there and just feeling really sorry for himself, you know, curled up in the fetal position perhaps, you know, and uh, he's, he's thinking, poor me. How am I ever going to get out of this? Where are you, God? My life is such a mess. Blah, blah, blah. And he wishes he was dead. Have you ever been there? Have you ever thought about the better, the better option would be to, to be dead than what I'm going through right now? What this world has given on offer to me. 
See, we all go through tough times, some tougher than others, I understand that. But we actually lack the basic theology or understanding or, or, or teaching to actually get through the tough times. I know I have in, in the past. Just like the tough times come, you get discouraged, you, you, you get down, and we haven't got this basic understanding that, that that's part of life, you know? That's part of life. And apparently, um, Elijah is in the same boat. He was unprepared for this discouragement, you know? See, here's the thing. We all get dis- disappointed, but it's a choice to get discouraged. We all get disappointed. We all get disappointed from time to time, but it's a choice we make to get discouraged. It's the truth. And, and here, I think Elijah makes that choice. He was he, unmet expectations. I thought they're going to respond well to me now. I've done all this, all these amazing things. Can't you see God in this? And nothing. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. Anyway, Elijah walks for 40 days and nights to Mount Horeb, and, and that's the special place, the mountain of God, and it's, it's you know, also called Mount Sinai in the Bible, and it's where Moses received the Ten Commandments, we think. And, and, and once he gets there, he'll find, no, he'll find God, won't he? He'll find God, there's no problem, they'll all be fixed then. And, uh, and he gets there, and this is what he says to God. I've been very zealous for you, Lord, but God Almighty, the Israelites have rejected your covenant, covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophet's death to the sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. See, Elijah's immersed in this dark cave of discouragement and depression and darkness, and, and, and he can't see a way through, and, and he, he's, he's speaking to himself in a way that's in, encouraging him to stay there. And here this morning, you might be holed up in a cave of fear or pain or despair or feeling like God has let you down. It's quite possible. You know, in a room this size, you never know what people are going through. And what I want to have a look at firstly is how Elijah got there and then how he got through it. And I hope this helps you this morning. Let me pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your amazing word. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, here this morning, I pray, people here that are, are discouraged at the moment, if down, God, I just pray your Holy Spirit speaks to each one of us in your small, still voice, encourages us, lifts our eyes, lifts our heads, lifts our heart to all that you want to do in us and through us, in Jesus' name. You see, the first thought I had about Elijah here this morning, first, the reason he got discouraged and even depressed, he wore himself out. First thing is we wear ourselves out, you know. And you might notice with him, if he'd read this, this passage, he's been on a massive, massive spiritual battle. Trusting God, praying, trusting God, praying, seeking God, praying, trusting God, battle, faith, battle, faith, battle, pray, battle. Then he runs through his life. That's not, that's not the right rhythm. And, and geographically, he couldn't have gone any further. He went as far south as he could. And then he leaves his friend, his servant, his buddy, he goes another day's journey in the desert. He went as far as he could and he was totally, uh, utterly exhausted physically and, and much like many of us. And we wonder, why am I down? Why am I discouraged? Why, why, why I feel worn out? Exactly that. You've worn yourself out. You know, mums that are, uh, are working full-time jobs and putting 
you know, dinner on the, the table and cleaning the house and, and, and doing PNC and canteen and, and doing all that stuff, you know, and, and you wonder why you're feeling worn out, you know. Um, you know, maybe you're at uni and you've had a, or, or school and you've had a huge semester. You know, you've had study and, and, and you're working part-time or sometimes full-time and, and you're playing sport and, and you're doing this, you're doing that and then you're going, why am I feeling so flat? And, and you're wearing yourself out. It's a physical exertion. And for some of you, it's all up here. It's all up here. Your thinking, your emotions, your, your mental state. You know, oh, I've got to be there for them. I've got to make sure, you know, I don't drop the ball. I've got to make sure I don't do that. I've got to be strong for everybody else. I've got to be the provider. I've got to nurture them. I've got to look after them. And there's stuff all going on in here, and you're totally exhausted. Your emotions, mentally and emotionally, you're exhausted. You just worn yourself out. That's the first thought. The second thought is you shut people out. You shut people out. And, and Elijah abandoned his closest friend, his servant. He said, you stay here and I'm going on. Now, quite honestly, that's what we all do. Well, a lot of us do a lot of the time when we're feeling overwhelmed. I'm not going to let you in. I'm not going to tell you what I'm going on in my life. I'm not telling you what I'm going through. If I did, you wouldn't understand anyway. So you put a wall up and you push people away. And truly, that's what I do. That's what I do. When I get under pressure... I'm not good, you know, and, and and I just try to keep people away from me. I want to deal with this. I want to deal with this myself. I can get through it. I, I, I. <laughs> you wouldn't even understand what I'm going through anyway. And we want to look strong and we don't want to let people down. And we don't want to let people see our weaknesses. And we just end up discouraged. We end up discouraged. Wear ourselves out, shut people out. Third thing is we focus on the negative. We focus on the negative. You see, Elijah said, I've had enough. I'm no better than my ancestors. What's interesting about that is no one even asked him about his ancestors. No one asked him about any of that. It was self-pity taking root there. It was self-pity. And, and here's the truth. Self-pity exaggerates our problems. Self-pity exaggerates our problems. I'm never going to be any good anyway. I'm always going to be stuck in this life. I, I, I'm never going to make any forward progress. It's never going to be any better for me. I'm never going to be able to get, to get that, that university grade. I'm never going to be able to get that promotion. Uh, my kids are never going to come to Christ. Hmm. It's just an exaggeration. It's focusing on the negative, all the bad things, and none of the good things. You want to get discouraged? Well, there it is right there. Wear yourself out, shut others out, focus on the negative. And the last thing in this section, we forget God. We need God. We need God and we forget God. You know, um, imagine this. All that we saw God do in the life of Elijah. You know, all the things, supernatural protection and passion, uh, provision and, and the birds feeding, water from the brook in the drought. Uh, raising the dead, like all the things that we've just talked about, fire from heaven, amazing stuff, amazing. It you know, should be awe-inspiring stuff. God, where are you? Well, how come I'm going through this? Well, what's going on? And we forget about the faithfulness and the miraculous nature of God, that he was there, he provided, he comforted, he was a strength, 
He was everything I needed. But at this moment, when I'm discouraged, when I'm disappointed, when I'm depressed, when I'm down, I forget the faithfulness of God. Very flat in here at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> and so here's the thing. We all do that from time to time, I think, in our lives. And here this morning, you know, I think it's a, a, a challenge for each of us to go, how do I move through this? It's a thing that we all encounter. We all get disappointed. There's a choice whether we get discouraged. And I believe God wants to speak to each one of us here this morning. I believe that with all my heart. So here's a prescription for discouragement, for our condition, if you like. And uh, there's just there's four points here this morning. And I just want to show you how Elijah got through this and how it helped us to get through this thing as well. So Elijah's hiding out, wanting to die. The angel of the Lord is sent to Elijah. And I want to notice, you to notice here something. When he does send the angel, uh, what, what the angel doesn't do is what I want you to see. There's no sermon. There's no rebuke. There's no shame. The angel is not saying, if you had more faith, if you memorized more Bible, if you knew more verses, if you quit acting like a baby and just grow up, harden up, He's not saying any of that. There's no rebuke, nothing negative. The first thing the angel of the Lord says to Elijah is, eat and rest. Eat and rest. Eat and rest. And I think that's so simple, so simple, and yet it's profound. 1 Kings 19, 5 and 6. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. You know, I can remember um, five or six years ago going through a tough time and uh, I was talking to a Christian counsellor and, and he basically said, look, Greg, you're on the verge of burnout. You need to peel back. And all I could say was, no, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. I don't even know what that is, but you don't understand what I've got to do. I've got to, you know, we've, we've got this auditorium to build and we've got these things to do and, and I'm the pastor of the church and I've got to do this and I'm responsible to people and blah, blah, blah. And he just waited for me to finish. And um, <laughs> he said, you, you don't probably understand what you're going through. You need some significant time off and uh and i went through the same blurb no no you don't understand what i'm saying I, i've got all these responsibilities i've got to do this all this accountable to all these people and we've got to make this happen got to have, and all those things that need to happen and he said stop greg no you're not hearing me the most spiritual thing that you can do right now is rest whoa really not go to another meeting, not read another Bible verse even. But the most spiritual thing you can do is rest. And that may be the case for you here, you here this morning. Maybe you're in, a, in a, a cycle of rushing round and round and round in circles. And, and, and I think it's probably one of the greatest 
can we call it a sin? I guess it is. You know, we're not observing the Sabbath in our lives. We think we're impervious. We, we, we've bought proof that we, we don't need to have that Sabbath in our lives. God's given us that cycle for a reason. And we're meant to have a day of rest. And each one of us needs to take responsibility of that. You know, and, and it's easy to ignore it. It's easy to just push on. We've got to honor the God with the Sabbath. And the most spiritual thing, perhaps, that you can do is rest. And, and I know what you're thinking, because I was thinking exactly the same thing. Yeah, but you don't know what I've got to do. You know, I've got to do this and this and that and got to get on with this. And, and, and I would believe that, that, that God would say to you, it doesn't matter if the house isn't tidy. It doesn't matter if the clothes are washed. It doesn't matter if the garden isn't done. It doesn't matter if the yard's not mowed. It doesn't matter if a few things are left undone. Perhaps the most important thing, the spiritual thing you need to do is rest. And the angel of the Lord provides food, lets him take a nap. 1 Kings 19, 7 and 8. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Strengthened by the food, he was able to do the 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain. So basically, that's where the presence of God is represented. So basically, eat and rest and go to church. Find out where the presence of God is and get refreshed in your spirit. Get encouraged in your spirit. Go where God is. Go where they experience the presence of God. So that's the first thing. The second one is um, God replaces our lies with truth. God replaces lies with his truth. And and, and this might speak to some of you here this morning. 1 Kings 19, 9 to 10. There he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, let's stop there for a second. God doesn't need to ask those sorts of questions because he actually already knows why Elijah's there. It's not like, oh, I'll just ask some questions and find out why Elijah's turned up here. I don't know what's going on here. This is unusual. This is new news to me. I didn't know Elijah would be here. No, no, he doesn't know that. He's asking a question for a particular reason. And he wants Elijah to do this. He wants to verbalize, voice his problem, verbalize those lies he's believing so God could correct the lies. It's interesting. If we read on this, this verse 9 to 10, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. True. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. True. Broken down the altars. True. Put your prophets to death with the sword. Partly true. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. False. I'm the only one left. False. I've been doing all the work. False. I'm the only one who cares. False. I'm the only one that can get it done. False. It's a lie. None of us are irreplaceable. There's always someone that can take our job. I don't care how good we are at doing what we do. There's always someone can fill in and do just as good or even better sometimes. He took more responsibility than was actually his. He'd done what God had asked him to do, fantastic, but then he thought he was supposed to do everything else as well. There's no one that cares. Everyone's depending on me. I'm all alone. Nobody understands me. Have we had those voices go around their head from time to time? Yeah. Just doing this all by myself. 
No one else knows. No one else cares. Well, if you read on this story, God actually is saying to him, well, Elijah, the reality is, the truth is, there's 7,000 other Israelites. There's 7,000 7, others that haven't bowed down to the, the false god of Baal. There's 7,000 other that, that don't believe the lies, that you're, you're not the only one, you know? And, and, and I could imagine that God would say to us, many of us today as well, in believing those lies. Maybe you're believing, well, my marriage will never be healed. Well, all things are possible through Christ, you know? Oh, my kids will never come to Christ. Well, all it takes is a, a, a faith as small as a mustard seed. You know, I've got this bad medical report and, and God can't do anything about that. You're believing a lie. That, that, that's, that's the facts, but it's not the truth. You see, the truth is very different. It's based on God's word. And, and he can move mountains. There's nothing that's impossible for God. My life's never going to get better. I'm never going to have a, that relationship. I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to have the re- spend the rest of my life alone. I'm stuck in this dead-end job. I've got no real ministry. I can't make a difference. You know, my, 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 my son and my husband's never coming to Christ and blah, blah, blah. And we go in this cycle of lies. It's not the facts now, but it's also a lie from the enemy. It's not the truth. So where are you right now? Where are you, some of you, if I asked you to verbally say where you are, you might just speak a lie. See what I'm saying here this morning? It's actually not the whole truth. It's the facts, but it's a lie that the enemy wants us to believe about our lives, about our situation. And, 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 and let me say there, you know, like he said to Elijah, there's 7,000 of them. Well, there's people around you today. There's people around you that can pray for you, that can lift you up, that can encourage you, that, that, can, that can comfort you. There's a Holy Spirit that's our comforter, and he's there for us. Don't you believe the lies of the enemy? God's prescription for our discouragement, take rest, take some time off, and replace the lies that you believe with the truth of God. The third thing, God speaks with a small, still voice. You see, when we read on in this passage, um, we'll have a look at it in a second. See, Elijah's used to dealing with God's fire and and earth. He's thinking it might be in the earthquake and in the fire and in the wind. And and he's thinking, where's God? Where are you? And and it it says this in, in verse 11. The Lord said to him, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. The Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shut the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After a fire came a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. You see, sometimes when we're at our lowest, God speaks to us the softest in a small, still voice have you ever noticed that when you're in your darkest deepest discouragement god just gives us a word a picture a thought a scripture a reminder a thing one sometimes in a small beautiful still voice 
that just reminds us of the faithfulness and the love of God. Hmm. It's probably not very loud. It's not always exactly the same, but a gentle whisper, not a booming sign, not a, not sky, you know, the, the, the written in the sky. No, no, he'll speak to you. And that's what I take so much comfort in when I preach today. You know, I know there's some of you here that are hurting and uh, I've got no confidence in my words but I know that through my words, through the words that are used here today, through behind, inside, through the word of God, God can and will speak to you right where you are. Where are you, Elijah? Where are you, Elijah? A small, still voice. I'm here. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You're not alone. I am enough. I know you think sometimes I'm not, but I am enough. A small, still voice of God. And then God gives us something to do, the fourth thought. God gives us something to do. You know, to overcome that discouragement. God says, eat and rest. The place lies with truth. God speaks in that small, still voice. Then he gives us a divine assignment for each one of us. In verses 15 to 16, the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nemski, king over Israel. Anoint Elisha, son of Shephat, from Abel, Maholah, to succeed you as a prophet. He gives him a job to do. He says, What are you? Well, I'm a prophet. Well, go back and be a prophet. What are you? Well, I'm a mum. Well, go back and be a mum. What are you? I'm a businessman. Well, go back and be a businessman. What are you? Well, I'm a giver. Well, keep giving. You know, whatever you are, step into that and keep doing what God's positioned you to do. Just, just keep on keeping on, whatever that is for you. You know, you say, well, I'm not a prophet. That's okay. Yes, discouragement will come. Disappointment will come. Sometimes we'll feel overwhelmed. But rest, take away the lies, Listen to the small, still voice of God and then do what God has called you to do. Do the next step. Just if, if, you, if you're a prayer, be more of a prayer. You know, if you're a giver, be more of a giver. If you're a businessman, be more of a businessman. If you're a dad, be more of a dad. Just do what God's put before you. Don't try and take on the whole world when you're feeling discouraged. Just do what God has called you to do. Just take the next step and the next step and the next step and keep on resting keep on taking get rid of those lies and replacing with truth keep, keep doing what God has called you to do through his small still voice write it down in your journal whatever that is hmm. and he'll bring life out of it you see Elijah got a gift from God when he got that instruction to, to do that to do something he, God gave him someone that believed in him and, and when, he, when, he, when he approached Elisha, Elisha knew that he was the prophet. He said, oh man, this is the prophet of Israel. This is the prophet of God. And I want to be like you. In fact, I want a double portion of what you've got. And Elijah just says, well, Elijah just says, well you'll just have to hang out, me, hang out with me because when you see me go to heaven, you'll get that double portion. Elijah didn't make it easy for him, actually. He, he ducked and weaved a fair bit to give a double portion. And here this morning, um, I want to say this to you. 
What did Elijah fear the most? If you think back, he feared the threat of death. So he feared death. What did Elijah not experience? Death. He was taken by a chariot into heaven. He, he, he's, he's only two people in the Bible that didn't die. And it's amazing because God sent a chariot of fire from the sky and swept him up and took him to glory. He never experienced his greatest fear. And can I say to you here this morning, the things that we are worried about and overwhelmed and, and considered and discouraged about, the biggest what-ifs, the biggest fears, very often we never experience those things. They never actually happen to us. We put all this energy and, and thought and consideration and worry and, and all those things into that, and they actually never happen. And I don't want to be too cliche here this morning either, because sometimes they do happen. Stuff happens to us. And it's not okay. You know, in this world you will have trouble, but Jesus says, I've overcome the world. I've overcome that. I've overcome that trouble for you. So even if your greatest what-if does happen, he will be with you. He will be enough. In the midst of the storm or the fire, he will be with you every step of the way. You see, I don't know about you, but this makes me feel a little bit better about myself when I see a man of God like doing amazing things for God and then within a day in the depths of depression. What's it all about? And because I feel like that. Sometimes you just have the greatest days, weeks, sometimes you feel awesome. We can take on the world. Next morning you get up and it's just like, oh, blah. God, where are you? <laughs> this worm? You sure? You know, I don't think I can do it anymore, you know. And, and, and it can be, look, I said this to someone just not too long ago. Seriously, it can be down on there when I'm ready to preach. You just go, Man, I'm not worthy to do this, God. You, you sh- I, I don't know if I should be here. And, and, uh, and seriously, it can be that soon before I get up to preach. So don't, don't, what I'm saying to you is we will get disappointed in life. But it's a choice to step into that discouragement and that depression that can come as a consequence of that. Set up some strategies in your life where you've got people around you, where you, you have the rest, where you have the space to to. to examine the lies that the, the, the enemy might be sowing in you, that you're believing. See, here's the thing, and I will finish with this. Here's the thing. Sometimes we believe lies that we don't even know that are lies. Intellectually, we know they're lies, but emotionally, we haven't recognized them as lies. Here, if you, someone said that, well, you're believing this, you go, no, I don't believe that. But you're acting like you believe that. You're you're responding like you believe that lie. And so sometimes we have to expose that lie. We have to get it out in the open. We have to verbalize it with someone who knows how to process us through that situation and help us in that, to shine the light of God into that. Be encouraged here this morning. There's some simple truths there that can help us every day of our lives. And let me finish with this verse, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 15 and 17. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. 
Isn't that awesome? Isn't that an awesome scripture? Let me pray for you this morning. But can we stand to our feet, please? Father, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I invite you in to my life and ask right now that you speak to everyone that needs to hear a word from you, God. Just a word of encouragement to, 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 to shine some light into some darkness, to shine some life into some death, to, to shine who you are into those circumstances. Show the truth, the truth of your word, God, about our lives, about who we are in you, and deny that the lies of the enemy, deny the, the, the lies we've believed in our lives. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. We invite you in, Jesus, afresh. We invite you in, Jesus, afresh. In the name of Jesus, I declare the truth. I am the way, the truth, the life. I declare that over you this morning, church. I am the light. I'm the light of the world. I declare that over you this morning. I am the vine. I am the sustenance. I declare that, that scripture over you as well. He is your sustenance. He is there for you. He nurtures you. He encourages you as long as we stay connected to the vine. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylight Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.